G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Hello everyone, welcome to Footyology Final Siren. This is a special Saturday night edition following the second preliminary final. Well, we talk about preliminary final weekend being the best week of the season and for two sets of supporters it was. For the neutrals, uh, not uh, close or thrilling spectacles either of these games. They produced two absolute beltings. The second one tonight, and probably about as expected as last night's, because the Western Bulldogs were imperious in their absolute toweling up of a pretty insipid, you'd have to say, Port Adelaide. And so the grand final is Melbourne up against the Western Bulldogs. Only the second time these two will have clashed in a grand final, of course, the first one, all the way back in 1954. And that's before even myself and my co-host, were born. We're here to answer your questions about the game, discuss the game, discuss last night's game again, if you like. Anything else going on on the football agenda, look ahead to the grand final in two weeks' time. That's going to be some build-up. I hope we've got enough content to get through. It'll certainly build up the anticipation in time for that contest. But anticipation there will be because both sides that will play off for the 2021 Premiership absolutely Superb, in fact, faultless performances from both of them. And boy, does that give us a grand final matchup made in heaven, as I say. Very good evening to my co host, Mark Fine. Well, I bet you weren't counting on that, Finey. I don't think anybody was counting on that. Well done, you. You certainly picked the strength of the Bulldogs and tipped accordingly, but I don't remember it being by that much, and nobody could have imagined it by that much. In fact, what seemed to be a fait accompli heading in to tonight's game, that Melbourne would start favourites in the grand final, has been, well, rocked to its core. In fact, I think, and I don't know any markets as yet, I reckon it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, or basically... Yours for mine, even money each of two if I wasn't a bookmaker and needed to make a profit. In other words, I reckon they're going to be equal favourites. What do you reckon? Well, it'll be interesting. I suspect Melbourne might still be a slight favourite, but, I mean, when you look at uh, they've played twice this season, the results won all. Melbourne was impressive in beating the Bulldogs first up this season. I think that was round 11. Um, and the Bulldogs did a number on Melbourne when they played them more recently. So... Uh, very hard to split. And I think, uh, yeah, look, it'll be really interesting to see what the early odds are. I suspect the Demons probably start a, a very slight favourite. But anyone who says this isn't going to be, uh, well, I shouldn't say it's not going to be, uh, it's definitely going to be a close contest. But anyone who can confidently say one team or the other is going to win, I reckon has rocks in their head because they are both capable of a very, very high standard indeed. All right, we've just got a couple of things very quickly, Rowan. Yeah, that I have to be quick because we've got a million I will questions. Be, I will be very quick. Um, first of all, it's almost ideal, except for the supporters, that the game's going to be held at Optus Oval in WA. 
there would be some conjecture here, Melbourne at the MCG. It is a ground that they play beautifully. It's our home ground. Of course, the Doggies are based at Marvel Stadium. So we've got a completely neutral ground to play the grand final on. I think a magnificent venue for the grand final. And also, have we got some intrigue getting into the game with players to come in and out of both sides, injury watches. It's going to be two weeks of football discussion and I think it's going to be a wonderful build-up. Yeah, no, selection is going to be particularly interesting. All right, we're going to break uh, the mould here. We're going to zip through a few comments. Then we're going to go into the details. So, Harry Stevens, first cap off the rank. Uh, his comment is fairly succinct. Port Adelaide chokers. Uh, if that was a choke, I think they were just comprehensively outplayed. Trout from Wood End. Well did Harry off. Stevens not play in the Bulldogs' first premiership? He did. No, I've got no idea, but I'm sure you have. Uh, Wasn't Trout there a, from... Batman, a Batman called Harry Stevens? I don't know. It's fine. Let's do this later in the show. We've got about 58 comments. Okay. Trout from Wood End. Well done, dogs. Great son. Uh, how underrated is Mitch Hannon with his strength and attack on the ball? Quick one, Finey. He was fantastic tonight. Sorry, who was that? Who was that? Mitch Hannon. Yeah. Well, well, do the best shortly, but if you wait it towards when the game was alive and to be won, he was brilliant from the get-go, wasn't he? He was. He, uh, I mean, he was a perfect, I guess, uh, hole filler in the, the void uh, left by Cody Waitman's absence. Thought Aaron Norton stepped up brilliantly tonight too. And Shaki, very important, just keeping a Aaliyah, Aaliyah occupied. Matt Crowey Ferguson, Roko, I thought you are off your tree picking the doggies. Very happy you were right as my wife follows him. And as a Mad Pies fan who still loves Adam Trelaw, would love to see him win a flag. Well, he was a lot better tonight too. Certainly shrugged off the critics last week. Uh, David Haley, Port Adelaide must have got the same virus Geelong had. Should be a cracker of a grand final. Port had all the favours and flopped. Where to now for them? All right, quick response on that one, Finey. Do the Port, uh, do the Port, do the Power have anything to worry about long term? I don't think so. No, they've got a team based still on some excellent young players that are yet to play their sort of requisite 60 games of football. You know, you've got Rosie Butters, you've got Willem Drew, Bergman. Of course, George Giardis was missed, but he's a very exciting prospect. They do have a big man up forward that, well, Dixon, how reliable is he? Look, I think he had a pretty good season, don't get me wrong, but maybe that multi-faceted small forward line needs some review. Sorry, someone just opened a can. I think it was their producer. Well, it is Saturday night. Uh, it's soft drink. It's all right. Um, okay. Yep. Uh, couldn't agree more. That is a good observation. Uh, two very poor spectacles as preliminary finals, says Tim Dole. Uh, great for the D's and dogs. Poor for the theatre goers. Finey. Since we've had the two preliminary finals, and that's since 1994, I don't think we couldn't possibly have ever had an aggregate margin in both as big as this. And that margin is, uh, here we go, 71 and 83, 154 points. Has no to way. be by some margin of record. I mean, we talked about this a bit. One tends to be a blowout, one tends to be close. We don't remember two blowouts of this proportion. Although you could argue... Essendon's 133-point win over Collingwood in one preliminary final was in 1984, almost as good as the two tonight. I want to plant my flag now, Rowan, and say Plenty. that just because, 
just because they were blowouts, I don't think they were bad games. I was absolutely on both counts sort of mesmerised by the quality of football played by the Melbourne football... I'm not going to say, played by the Demons and by the Bulldogs. I think that's very watchable. It was brilliant. Yeah, both sides won in uh, a very entertaining manner, didn't they? They played terrific footy. It wasn't a, certainly wasn't a stodgy sort of win. And I guess I'm not casting aspersions on your mob, but I immediately thought then of uh, St Kilda's win over, say, the Western Bulldogs in 2010, in which they they ground their way to victory. Very different. No, these are two teams that have, as they say in horse racing, savaged the line in the race prior to the big one, which is, you know, that's great form leading into a grand final. All right, going to zip through a few here. Tim Dole, great pick by me. Thanks. I thought Port would win by four or five goals. How far far out was I? Well, if you thought they'd win by five goals, you were 101 points out, Tim. Uh, John Freddie Hines asks, will Shacky play a similar role on Lever in the grand final? Good question. Your early thoughts on that, Finey? Yeah, a bit of a different proposition because, of course, they still, assuming that May will be fit, and I'm pretty sure he will be. Well, he's pretty sure he will be. Yeah, so they don't, that they often have one of those players counted, and that's when the other sort of step through. And, and Harrison Petty plays a role there as well. But what impressed me about Shaki was he grew into himself during the game. And I love the way he marked in the third quarter. And don't forget, in the first half, it was his handball to Rourke Smith that set up the goal. Very, very clean hands. And I think their first or second goal um, that Mitch Hammond was able to sort of get on the line was again because of his ferocious work at the drop of the ball. So more than just a sort of defensive forward. Well, he could have ended up with three, if not four goals. He had at least four shots at goal from memory and a couple of behinds and one which fell short. So uh, he, he certainly covered all bases. Except um, how about his kick on the siren at three-quarter time? He just he went way too close to the man on the mark. I thought, gee, he hasn't had a lot of shots at goal from 50 metres out or he can't make the distance. But anyhow. All right. Uh, North 96 says, interesting similarities with the Dogs and Tampa Bay, both winning finals away from home. All right. I'm not into American football, but I'll take your word on that. Uh, THX1138 says, Stefan, what's that a reference to again? I keep forgetting. Some science fiction movie or something? Yeah, but I've forgotten which one. Anyway, Stefan Martin Rusty, but he's got to play, right? Yes, yep. he does. Uh, they yep. cannot let English go. Uh, against Gorn and Jackson on his own. So, yeah, yeah, Martin's a lock. And I thought he was all right tonight. Look, he got smashed for hit-outs, but I thought he uh, certainly pulled his weight against Lysette, particularly around the ground. Uh, Tom Teague, Port Adelaide supporter. Hi, guys. Love the show. Disappointed Port fan. And I have some thoughts I'd like to share. Um, So a couple of them quickly. Tom says, our aggressive forward press requires an enormous amount of pressure to be effective. When we don't bring that pressure, well, you see tonight what happens. Well, they bought it big time against Geelong two weeks ago, didn't they? And uh, that's a really good observation because that was just missing all night tonight, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Wasn't the captain nervy? Uh, yes, yes. He sort of set the tone for a very discombobulated backline. Oh, well, uh, look, 
Rowan, in the end, the form for most of the year proved correct. And again, I bow to your um, adherence to it and not being sort of um, uh, overly overly um, impressed by a couple of late wins against teams in the top four. The fact was that they struggled against better opposition for most of the year. And gee, it wasn't many minutes into the game where I was um, wishing I had a ticket on a different horse. Yeah, well, you and a few hundred thousand others. Yeah, but 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 just, just the way that they looked, it reminded me of what they lack when they play better teams which is enough troops. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I, look, I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm a fan of the finals reflecting the season proper. Yeah. And uh, these two sides, I think it was, might have been 16 weeks out of 23, these two sides were one and two on the ladder. So we've got the grand final of season dessert. Yeah, uh, but again, another Melbourne Footscray grand, grand final again. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, second in... Jeez, uh, how many years? Uh, 65? Yeah, but this will be the Doggies' fourth no. grand final. That's not right, 67. It'll be the Doggies' fourth grand final half the time they play Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, Ross Wilson says, Dogs kissed on the willy again with the bye. Jeez, um, Ross. Uh, I saw actually, Ross, you left a comment on my Facebook page, didn't you? Um, saying that you thought Port would win by a heap. So how'd that work out for you? Hang on. Kissed uh, on what, Willie? By what buy? Uh, yeah, I don't understand that at all. That doesn't make any sense. They didn't have a buy. They played all three. Oh, no, weeks. no. He's saying that, that Melbourne having the buy put them off. Put uh, Sorry, Port Adelaide oh, having the buy put them off. Oh, really? Well, I mean, it's the so, same. It's the same pattern, isn't it? The sides had a week off, and one side's played through. Okay, so they should have lost on purpose. No, well, uh, <laughs> Gavin Ward says two best teams made it in the end. Uh, Mister Bod says a guy told me Bailey Smith refused to be drafted interstate. If true, what a joke administration. Come back to that. <laughs> um, Yashiro Imagawa uh, Yoshi, uh, who is well known on football forums. Across the land. Good of you to join us. Yoshi is a resident of Japan. Yep. Uh, Bulldogs made many turnovers that uh, tore Port Adelaide apart. They chased the footy well. Well done, dogs. Absolutely, Yoshi. I think Yoshi's a St Kilda fan, Fanny. So, um, I, I, he is a St Kilda fan. Oh, you know him, yep. do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, um, wrote a lovely piece somewhere after I was unceremoniously removed from SEM and he was very upset. I do remember that, actually. And I think he wrote a piece when I left the age too. So good yeah. on you, Yoshi. Yeah, no, uh, we love him. Good to have you aboard. Um, yeah. Joe Hess asks, is Hinkley the right guy for Port Adelaide going forward? Two back-to-back -back home prelims lost. Been there a long time. Time for a change. No, I don't buy that. And look, I, I did a radio segment today and, and this came up about Chris Scott. There's probably more of an argument for that with Chris Scott, but I still don't buy it. I mean, you cannot afford to overreact to a poor finals performance. And I think that would be the worst thing Port could do. I think they've rebuilt brilliantly. They topped the ladder last year on top for every week of the season last year, missed out in the grand final by six points. They finished top two this year, lost a preliminary final. 
you know, that's not a sign of some inherent weakness in the coaching. It's been good enough to get them top and second spot two seasons in a row. I mean, Robin, I, I couldn't agree more. Look, they were savage losses, but there were 14 coaches not doing anything this weekend. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, look, doesn't recent history show too that overreacting to one result in the context of a, a much bigger pool of results is a really dangerous thing to do. And, I, I, you know, Carlton, we've seen Carlton do it, you know, with some regularity now for two decades and look where it's got them. Do you reckon, I mean, different discussion, but do you reckon if we wound back the clock four or five weeks now, they might be having second thoughts about David T? Because he's yeah, like... I've got to say, Rowan, I was speaking to a keen Carlton supporter on just before the game last night and... He cannot believe, just for, the, just for the fact the club had that reputation with Ratton, that Teague wasn't allowed to, especially when Clarko said, look, I'm having a year off, just let Teague coach his last season. If he does really well, then kick on. And otherwise, Clarko is ready to move into the job if the price is right. But... It's just crazy. It just makes no sense why they got rid of Teague and now they've got nobody where a one-year coach... Because whoever they appoint can't be for one year. Yeah, no, so, I, so they I, miss out on Clarker. Couldn't agree more. And, and Brett Bratton in, at the end of 2012 was the line in the sand moment. That was the chance they had to hold firm and show a bit of faith with a side that had played finals three years in a row and narrowly missed out in the fourth injury-affected season. They didn't. They lost their nerve, got to ahead of themselves, and they're doing it again. I mean, I read just today, you know, the belief there is that this is a finals-quality list. Well, newsflash, guys, it's not a finals-quality list. Anyway, I've got to say that the two teams of 16 premierships have in recent years been in absolute tatters. Essendon far worse than Carlton, worse than any team we'd ever seen through the Asada affair. But they have picked themselves up in a in a creditable manner. You know, it, it only takes a couple of years of just doing the right thing to get the ship righted. But they seem to fall back into old habits, Carlton. It's silly. Well, it's a, they're a victim of their culture of impatience and continued success. And uh, even 25 years after any success, they're still, I think, at the moment, living that out. Anyway... Let's get back to the game because we are talking about preliminary finals. Um, Peter Phoebe, East Melbourne's finest mullet, brilliant in the last two weeks, of course. He's talking about Bailey Smith and uh, he has been outstanding, hasn't he? It wasn't it great to see a profile on him today in the age in which it only took about two sentences to mention the fact that he went to Xavier College? Good to see uh, some stereotypes being perpetuated right throughout the media, usually by adults who themselves went to private schools. And a big hello to Jake Nile. Uh, Gavin Ward says, who will come into that dog's team and who will miss out? Well, Waitman comes in, Alex Keith comes in. They're givens. Who misses out, Fine. Um, so it looks, I feel as though Vandermeer will move to the subs bench. Yep. Don't worry, he's fine. I mean, he's not injured, which is unlucky for Scott, but that's... I think, how it's going to play out. And I've got a feeling that, well, it has to be sort of Gardner who's going to be very unlucky because they will require Cordy's height 
with Brown and Jackson up in that forward line, and especially after what Gorn did in the preliminary final, they cannot afford to go, say, with Keith and Gardner rather than, or, you know, with Gardner and Keith or Cordy rather than the two taller defenders. So I think he's very unlucky. He's, he's taken the opportunity well the last two weeks and been a stout defender. But he yes, misses. Um, what about, I'm just throwing this out there, but what about a guy like Rourke Smith? Is he a definite? Yeah, he seems to be in every week, doesn't he? And he does yeah. when, you don't see him a lot. He's no. not a tagger, but whenever he's pressed into action, he seems to do the right thing. Very strong body, very courageous. So, you know, when, when your number's called, especially in a final and a grand final, you want somebody that you know is just fearless and going to go hell for leather. And I think that's why Luke Beveridge likes Rourke Smith. He hasn't played him every game this year almost. I think he came in, what, round three or four, four if, if at the latest. He's been in the team. He's not going to leave him out now. No way. Well, Harry Stevens has come back to us to let us know that Harvey Stevens played Harvey, in yes. Bulldogs' 1954 Premiership team. Close. Um, Shane Walsh says, shocked. I thought fatigue would get the dogs 28 out of 32 qualifying final winners before the pre-finals by won the preliminary. Correct, Shane. You've been reading my stuff. Uh, North 96 reckons Boak and Wines had stinkers. I think that's a bit harsh. Wines? Mm. He was all right. Well, speaking of which, that might be a good segue to the details, which we are still to do. Do we have them there, Dame? We might give the best and goals a bit of a plug tonight too, other than the two seconds they got last night. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to talk to you about that earlier. Um, all right, let's look at the quarter-by-quarter quarter scores. And emphatic first term by the Doggies. Couldn't have started any better. 7-2 to just 1-1, a 37-point lead. At the first change, right from the start, they had the first goal after 50 seconds. They had four goals on the board after 11 minutes. They had five on the board in under 15 minutes. And it just went on from there. Ollie Wines kicked Ports first, but that was after five from the Doggies. Uh, Paul kicked the first of the second quarter. But can, I just, again, can I just make a quick comment about the first quarter, Rowan? Yep. Very quick, because I think that's where the game absolutely was won. So... Ollie Wines kicks a goal. The crowd gets a bit excited. Dixon and Gray both have gettable shots that they absolutely muck up. The ball goes forward. The Bulldogs kick a goal. But then there's this thing with 35 seconds to go. Port Adelaide's got the ball on the wing. And whoever was calling it quite rightly said, if they're adventurous, they might go for a goal here, Port. Incredibly, the doggies got a goal. You know, 35 seconds and the opposition had the ball on the wing and the Bulldogs were able to get that very late goal. That was curtains for me. That was to Mitch Hannon and that restored the lead to 37 points. So second quarter, five goals to the Doggies, two to Port and the lead at halftime had blown out to 58 points. Basically game over and that's the way it played out. Uh, five goals to the Doggies in the second half. Three to the power. Port certainly started the third quarter. I guess another... Well, it wasn't a pivotal moment, really, was it? Port got the first two goals, so it was back to 46 points with a bit over three minutes on the clock. And then there was what appeared a goal by Todd Marshall 
which was actually touched off the boot by Marcus Pontemperley and a very good goal review as it transpired. And uh, that, uh, well, would have brought the margin back to 40 points. Still don't think it would have made that much of a difference. And the Doggies controlled the quarter after that. Goals to Shaki Trelaw. And then the last quarter, well, just a waste of time, really. So the final scores, the Western Bulldogs, 17, 14, 116. Huge winners, 71 points over the power. 6, 9, 45. The goals and best for the victors, 4 to East Melbourne's finest mullet, Bailey Smith. 3 to Mitch Hannon, great game from him. 2 to Norton, 2 to Bontempelli. Singles to Vandermeer, Johannesson. Rourke Smith, Shackey, Trelaw, and Scott. For the power, two to Charlie Dixon, singles to Wines, Houston, Bonner, and Marshall were best, as voted by you, Finey. For the doggies, you went Bailey Smith, Jack McRae, how often is he in the best? Mitch Hannon, Bailey Williams, Josh Shackey, and Bailey Dale, the two Baileys doing well in defence of the doggies. And for the power... And this is where North 96's comment comes into relevance. You've gone Bonner their best. Couldn't agree more. But Wines and Boak, you voted second and third best support. Houston, Drew and Lysette. So there are the details. Yeah, look, I don't think it was Boak and Wines' fault. No, without wanting to say I told you so, I'm going to say I told you so. I did say in the preview. As good as Boak and Wines have been all year, their midfield isn't that deep. Willem yeah. Drew's a defensive run with player. They've got Amon on a wing. And, the, you know, the likes of Butters, Rosie, et cetera, they just flit in and out. And I think if there's one big area for improvement, it has to be increasing that depth. The, the dogs, in contrast, had Bontempelli, McRae, Dunkley, Trelaw, Hunter, Smith, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is exactly where the Bulldogs smashed them in that decisive opening quarter of the game. Do you agree? I do. So I ask you a question with hindsight, but you didn't require this hindsight. And I agreed. I, I agreed that they were thin through the middle. I just felt that, you know, the doggies were without some key players. And, and anyhow, it didn't play out like that anywhere near. But... Surely, with that lack of depth, Rowan, Laddams, Marshall, you've got Dixon up there anyhow. Wouldn't you play Powell Pepper in the 22? Well, I would have thought so, particularly um, after the qualifying final where I thought, you know, he came on late in the piece, but I thought he's an impact player and they lack impact. I've got to say too, as much as we rave about the, uh, the kids and they have made a huge difference to Port when talking about Butters, Rosie and Dersma, pretty inconspicuous tonight. And I wonder if in their, what, they've had three seasons now, um, have they progressed to the point where they are that much better players now than they were at the start of their AFL careers, given the, you know, they had a pretty instant impact, those three. Yeah. Are they manifestly better players now, three seasons on into their careers than they were then? I, I tend not to think so. I do. I think Rosie really lifted another level this year. Remember, Butters was injured for most of the year, Rowan. Yeah. So, highly interrupted season. Uh, that's why I put Bailey Dale and Bailey Williams in the best for the Bulldogs. 
They were magnificent tonight. And tell you what, Caleb Daniel and Duray, not far behind them. I mean, they simply they simply chewed up and spat out those younger players and the likes of Fantasia and Robbie Gray. They were great. And you know who was in their best up till halftime and, and could easily have been in their best, given that that's when the game was over, was Jason Johannesson, yeah. who... who confirmed a spot in their best 22 and will have a chance to defend his Norm Smith. Well, when we were previewing the game, we did say, didn't we, that if Port were going to kick a winning score, it was less likely to come from the likes of Dixon or Laddams or someone than it was mm. those mid-sized forwards. Rosie, Fantasia, great. And Fantasia, I, I haven't seen his disposal count, but he didn't fire a shot, did he? Yeah, well, he had one shot just on the... Something siren. Three-quarter time, I think. Yeah. Oh, so he was at three-quarter time, yeah. Terrible kick. But I was, you know, I imagined a high-pressure game where there was just going to be a lot of um, uh, ground-level ball at both ends of the ground. And at that point, Gray could step up or cameo Fantasia two or three goals. Look, they they... By the time they got their ball into the 50, the game was over. I mean, the, the first five goals were so systematic by the doggies and so perfect in every way. Hannon was marking. Norton ruled the air. Within 10 minutes, we realised there was a very good plan afoot for Alir Alir. If he was going to get the ball, he would have to do so by climbing over English or Shacky. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it was... I've, I've got to hand it to, to Luke Beveridge. I've been at times bemused by his ins and outs, but boy, did he have this game nutted in the pre-planning, didn't he? Well, he's a, he's a great coach um, and he's a great coach for a variety of reasons. I, I would have thought over the years, his biggest strength has probably been viewed as man management rather than strategic, you know, rotation of positions, et cetera. But, yeah, he got it right today. And he's got it right a lot in the back half of the season. I mean, Shacky going back when he did and then going forward when he did. And to the fact that, you know, we looked at the loss of Waitman and Keith as being so potential. And Bruce, you know, they've covered three huge structurally enormous losses. Yeah. and. That comes down to both, doesn't it? It comes down to how you fill those holes in the lineup, but it also comes down in your capacity to develop a list in which there's a, a, a plenty of replacement players. So every contingency basically is covered off and they've been able to do it in defence with a key defender, uh, a key forward and a uh, medium-sized forward who's been arguably their most impactful player over the last few weeks. So hats off to him. Great coaching performance. And he's not, he's not wedded to any particular player. If I would have told you at the end of last year, Hayden Crozier couldn't make the team, boy, that wouldn't have made much sense. He was yeah. excellent last year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good point. But you need to earn your spot and keep it according to what is required by Beveridge. You know what's so exciting about the grand final, Rowan? Because Melbourne's win on Friday night, included great games by Viney. And I thought Brayshaw played really well. Mm. We can't say that it's a, a brilliant starting midfield only. In other words, they bat deep. And that depth 
will match Bulldogs' depth. We know Bulldogs probably deeper because from round one, their midfield was the envy of every side in the competition. But Melbourne are pretty deep as well. And boy, that's going to be a locking of the horns from the first bounce, isn't it? Well, they're the two deepest midfields in the competition. And I think that makes for a, an absolutely mouth-watering grand final. All right, comments time. Uh, Damon, quickly, how are we going with the comments? So we uh, got a bit of a backlog? We got heaps. All right, let's zip through a whole lot. Uh, Joseph Cardillo says, Bailey Smith is getting better each week. As a Tigers fan, at least, I appreciate some gems next week, as well as Smith. Petrarca is a machine. Gorn may be the key unless Martin can quell him as he owns English. Yeah, he certainly has in both the meetings this year. Uh, Bo Kelly asks, are you fans of the pre-grand final buy or get rid of it altogether? Yeah, I'm not a fan. No, but I mean, I think it was put in place because of possible COVID travel requirements just to give them some breathing space. Is that the case, though? Like, I just I probably should know this, but presuming um, the grand final was next week, would it be okay for the Bulldogs to go to Perth from Adelaide? Would they be uh, sufficiently quarantined? They wouldn't. I don't know. So, yeah. Certainly not if they took Eddie Maguire. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the answer, perhaps. Whatever it takes to keep Eddie out of Perth for the grand final. No, just having a joke here. Don't get all butthurt over that. Rowan, just uh, as a subplot, very minor subplot, yeah. um, you'll know this. Was Stephen Martin moved on from Melbourne because of the emerging young Max Gorn? Uh, potentially, yeah. And they also had, I think at that time, uh, when he went to Brisbane, they had the guy that looked like the uh, extra from Mod Squad. What was his name? I mean, the guy with the afro? Spencer, was it? I don't know. Someone can remember. Yeah. All right, let's that, keep going. That, yeah, so that, that's interesting. A bit that they meet again. It is. Um, all right, uh, Craig Platt. Uh, of the age, agree with Finey. Entertaining performances from the Demons and Bulldogs. Enjoyed watching as a neutral. AJ Meyer asking, how many preliminary final losses is that now for Ken Hinckley? Like three? Uh, 2014? 2020? 2021? Um, you know why he's lost so many prelims? Why? Because he played for Geelong. Uh, very good. But Geelong were winning prelims then. They just yeah. lost the grand final. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't want to look at Kenny's win-loss record in the last two weeks of the season as a player and coach. Uh, David Atchison says, Charlie Dixon, absolutely soft as butter, points the finger as he'd kick the match winner when they're 12 goals down. What about some heart at the start of the game? That's Dave from Perth. Oh, I, thought he went, I thought he went pretty hard at it. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, it's a potential issue for them, I think. Well, Mitch Georgiades. I mean, Mitch Georgiades, was he... I thought he was basically declared fit. Did yeah, they... I don't know. Okay, well... He was in a car accident, but he came off first best. Do you, he was, was he? I didn't say that. Yeah, yeah, okay. he, he, involving some teenager. All right, Bo Kelly again. He can see the value in the pre-grand final buy. Waitman back, time for May, Bont and Keith to recover. Um, although, this is interesting, isn't it? That the, In fact, we'll come back to that. I just want to get through. Remind me to talk about the pre-grand final by, Finey, but I've got to zip through some more. 
Yep. Uh, Tom Teague again. Port got Georgiades with pick 18 from the Dougal Howard trade. Asked Finey who he would rather have, Howard or Georgiades. Tom reckons he'd rather take Howard. Yeah, I'm happy with Howard. He's very good. And Georgiades is very good. You don't have to have a loser in a trader. All right. Michelle Griffiths, uh, still missing you on SEN. Finley? Yeah, me too. Can't, can't listen at night anymore. Finey misses himself as well. Uh, you are very much missed, Finey. Finley's uh, where Shane Crawford's from. Uh, correct, and where the band Spiderbait were from. And Alan Jones. Uh, Alan Jones, correct. Uh, Suds McDuff, is there any legal way to stop people calling the grand final the big dance? <laughs> That's good. That's very good. Uh, you can't stop it. Uh, good job. Good work, Suds. Uh, Dan Fancher, how red hot is the grand final going to be? Two super quick teams coming off 14-day breaks. Okay, so Dan's obviously a fan of the bye. All right, look, let's talk about now, but quickly. It's interesting. Okay, we said both teams will be in the same boat, and they are. They're both going to be two weeks between games. However, Melbourne is now going to be in this position where the side's going into a preliminary final after winning a qualifying final under the pre-finals by were, i.e. they will have played one game in about 27 days, coming up against a side that played three games in a row, then had the break. So it's a slightly different arrangement. It's the other way around. But it sets up that inequality, doesn't it, of preparation? Yeah. Yeah, it does. But is that all you're going to say? <laughs> God, it took me 10, 20 seconds to explain that. No, 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 you're right. You're right. But they looked so good against um, Geelong from the get-go. No ring rust there. Yeah. And also the fact that they're based in Perth and the Bulldogs have to go there. And I don't know what that requires in terms of... Uh, Isolation or what? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, th I think that there might be other factors that we'll become more aware of in the next fourteen days that balance things out. Yeah, and I reckon we're going to see a bit of wisdom in hindsight too after this one too. It's the first one we've had. I reckon you'll see. You know, if it, if it ends up being a one-sided game or whatever, you're going to see at least something written or said to the effect that so-and-so didn't handle the two weeks well and the victors handled it well because they did A, B and C differently. Yeah. It's certainly a challenge for the fitness staff, isn't it? Because it's just, it's uncharted yeah. territory. Now, uh, I have one warning about a Perth Grand Final, Rowan. What's that? What do you reckon? About one in seven games in Perth are played in torrential conditions. <laughs> you know, they just, you sort of turn on the TV and you're expecting, a, a oh, the game's in Perth, I'm looking forward to this. Oh, it's been raining since it's always been raining since last night as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, it's been. It, uh, I think it's officially the wettest winter they've had. It was certainly unbelievable this season. Having said that, um, didn't rain last night, did it? And no, 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 no. Yeah. It, it could be perfect, but there was a, a Fremantle game. Who did Fremantle play this year in the absolute? Oh, Freo yeah. always playing the wet. I remember in a game the deluge. Against, yeah, I remember a game against Geelong last year. It was just absolutely pissing down. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's keep going. Uh, Matt Crowey Ferguson says, if the grand final is next week, D's, uh, D's, D's clear faves, but week off could hurt their preparation. Uh, Robert Rice is telling us it's the first time since 1995 that both prelim final winners have won by more than 60 points. Good call. So that was Carlton smashing North Melbourne and Rich, uh, Geelong smashing Richmond out at Waverley. Both oh, that in the wet. Smashing Geelong Richmond. That was horrible. 
Yeah, uh, that was around 90-odd points from memory, although yeah. the Richmond fans were still happy at having beaten Essendon in the semi-final the week before. <laughs> um, Rich Davey, g'day, Rich. Uh, lives close by to me. Uh, Bulldogs midfield dominated after being smashed in the ruck contest. Does the Bulldogs midfield beat Gorn and Co around the ground? It's a great matchup, isn't it? Yeah, you don't beat them. You just take each, you know... They're such strong midfields. Each contest is a new day, whereas in the games we've just seen, it became very clear very early that there was a clear advantage every time there was a stoppage to one team. But if if Melbourne win the first three clearances, then just expect the Doggies to win the next. Do you know what I mean? There's no... no there, there are some games where the hitouts this recently have just seemed to be totally um, inconsequential as far as midfield dominance yeah. goes. But I don't think that's as much the case with Max Gorn. Uh, I mean, you'd have to see hitouts to advantage, etc. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah, Gorn's, can... Gorn's ruck work always appears to go somewhere, doesn't it? As opposed to, say, a Brody Grundy, who often wins the hitouts without sort of having his midfield take advantage of them. Okay, so hitouts to advantage are very important, and it's a stat that is often not often quoted, but is rightfully quoted. You know what is a stat that we never hear, What's that? but is equally as important is hitouts conceded to advantage. In other words, which ruckman concede a lot of hitouts to advantage, and which don't? And I just feel that Max Gorn is not a bloke that concedes many hitouts to advantage. You know, if he's not winning the hit out, he's certainly not losing it outright, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, like we talked about Stephen Martin, massive job for him. They will be looking for him to uh, at least sort of blunt Gorn's effectiveness and I think uh, leave English to cope with Luke Jackson and play him primarily up forward. Um, Yeah. Which is pretty much what happened tonight, wasn't it? Actually, no, Martin didn't play a lot of game time, actually, now, now I think about it, so... He sort of, see how that he's going to play a lot for the first quarter and a half and then it started limping. Uh, yeah. Um, Harry Stevens points out uh, in answer to Ross Wilson earlier, dogs kissed in three weeks. They played in Melbourne, flew to Tassie, played in Tassie, flew to Queensland, played in Queensland, flew to Perth, flew to Adelaide, played in Adelaide, now going back to Perth. Close to flying 10,000 kilometres. Outstanding. They are kissed. That's a good point. They kissed, are kissed. Kissed with frequent flyer points. They're kissed on the whatever. Ha, what, no other Victorians allowed more than five k's from their house. Yeah. At least they're getting out to see the world. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, they're seeing various departure lounges and um, uh, clubs. What are those clubs called? I never go on them. Well, the Qantas Club. Yeah, yeah. That's, people like Hutchie sort of live in those places, don't they? Aspirational working class people. Which is a good place to be if Hutchie's there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the boy from one thing. A bit like the boy from Gordia. Uh, Nothing right. wrong with Hutchie whilst there are vacancies at the inn. No, 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 I'm just saying he's aspirational. <laughs> Careful, Robert. We uh, agreed last night with. with oh, that, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> we're, we're taking over the drive shift on SEN, aren't we? Yeah. And pigs might fly also. Um, Bailey Smith loved dropping the word adversarial throughout his post-game interviews and that perfectly sums up the Doggies' finals run. Uh, that's from Digby Norton. 
I was pretty impressive hearing an AFL player use the word adversarial, isn't it? I did hear him say that on, out on the ground, actually. How's that nice goal he kicked his third goal? Yeah. Oof. He's, I like Bailey Smith. He's a nice guy. Um, actually, I, I gave Jake you know, a bit of a drive-by before. It was actually a good piece by Jake. It was about how Bailey Smith has built up his social media following. It's et cetera, enormous. Et yeah, he's got, uh, I can't remember. It's all Instagram-based. Yeah, do you he, know what it's based on? Well, his account's called Bazlenka, I think. What's it based on? Topless photos, you know, shirt off during summer. He's got what they call... A rig. A, one heck of a rig. Yeah, that's all right. I've got a rig. It's an oil rig. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what, price, what price per barrel? I don't know. There's a lot of blubber there, though. You know, they make oil out of whale blubber. You could do it with my gut. Um, all right. Uh, okay, let's keep this on point whilst we've got questions. <laughs> and viewers, we, we currently have over 200 viewers simultaneously. Don't go there, Rowan. What? Your Don't attractiveness. Go. Don't lead me down any paths. No, no. I, no, no. I would definitely not be doing that for any because there's a lot of people I know watching tonight. So we won't be doing that. All right. Uh, AJ Moore's got a question on the rotundness of coaches coming up. Uh, Matt Barden is asking us, who wins the grand final? Are you prepared to tip yet, Finey? Because I'm not. No. No, I'm not either. Uh, people hold you to this. I take my tipping seriously, particularly now I've got a 68 uh, tip lead over Finey this season. God, you, you, you put on 58 overnight. Yeah, no, it's... it's uh, are you none for two this weekend? No, you tipped Melbourne, didn't you? No, and I was... Yeah, yeah, okay, you're one for it. Yeah, no, it's back out to 11. It's just 11. It's all right. It's not huge. Anyway, so we're not tipping that. Sorry, get back to us next week. You, you tipped them, Row, and you didn't play centre-half forward for them. That's true. Well, I feel like my tipping spot. No, you did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, I'm very pleased that part of the footyology preview included a really insightful analysis of that win that the Bulldogs just carried out you know it's hey we're a team and i'm wrapped to be on your team well i'm wrapped to have you on my team uh thx1138 says damon is tweeting like a melbourne fan over the past 24 hours is that your team damon no damon is a carlton fan oh, yeah. but maybe he's a little disaffected at the moment damon do you have a comment from about that Damon's dad is a Melbourne supporter. so Everybody's his... dad supports Melbourne. Oh, no, my dad absolutely hated Melbourne. You know why? Because <laughs> he was a godless communist and they were a team of the establishment. It's funny, actually. <laughs> I used to talk to my... Because I grew up with Melbourne being, you know, irrelevant and very, very poor. And I uh, remember in 1987, they made their first final series for 23 years. They got to a culinary final. I was all, go demons. And dad's saying, oh... Hope Hawthorne roll them as much as I don't like Hawthorne either. I said, what's the thing about Melbourne? And he said, you were there in the late 50s. They were insufferable. Uh, I, can, I can top that, honestly. I used to take the late, wonderful Bevan Holmesby to the football, Russell's father. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And it was great because we, I did this on purpose. He'd, we'd go through, like, Ackland Street and he'd point out, do you know Ackland Street used to have five cinemas and he'd point out where the cinemas were and everything? Anyhow, one day I'm taking him to what was then Telstra to watch St Kilda Brisbane. Yeah. And Brisbane were pretty innocuous, you know. I mean, who hates Brisbane? 
And he goes, filthy bastards, the Lions. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, 1913, their captain Parrot knocked out Billy Smith in the last <laughs> quarter, or he would have had the flag. He was, he, he was alive in 1913. He, he was alive, but he didn't go to the game. He was too young to go to the game. He was alive, but the person who he went to the football with, Jules Feldman, was very much alive in that game and had instilled in him a hatred of the Lions because of that, or the Maroons, because of that filthy effort by the Fitzroy captain to knock out Billy Smith. I remember Jules Feldman. He co-wrote the history of the club or something, didn't well, he? Well, because he was like, at that time, he was the one person who remembered it from 1900 onwards. All right. Okay, there's our uh, uh, slight digression. Entertaining, but time to lock onto the comments again. I know I'm, it's annoying, but I've got to drive this because we're getting Yeah, no problem. Some. So let's keep going. Uh Harry Stevens is replying to himself now. He says they won it in 2016, four weeks in a row. One of the only teams to do that, correct? Um, Stephen Smith, as I've said most of the season. Oh, good. So Stephen's quoting himself. There are two teams way out in front of the competition and the results this weekend just prove it. Well done to the Dees and Dogs. No, well said. Um, Harry replying to himself again. Crows in the 90s, too, right? Yeah. Uh, did they win four in a row? No, they played four in a row in 98. Actually, no, hang on. 97, they did. I think they beat West Coast, Geelong, Bulldogs and St Kilda. I just want um, to make it quite clear. You, you were two-thirds brilliant this season in your prognostications, and I'm talking long-term. You thought the Doggies would make the grand final. I you did. stuck by them. Yep. You tipped Sydney to make the finals when very few – no one did. Correct. Of course, the one you missed out on was you were the last person to let go of the Richmond dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. I did cling on for dear life. I clung on even after the Tigers themselves, so let go, I think. Yeah, he's clung uh, on after Dustin got injured, which yeah, was the pretty brave. I did. Well, I like being a man of my convictions, Fine. Yeah, There's it, not enough no, of no. it in the football media or in the world in general. I like to do what I say I'll do. Um, all right. Uh, Adam Christopher says Gardner is better than Cordy. Rourke will go too. So oh. Adam obviously thinks that Cordy will make way and Rourke Smith will make way. No. Okay. Nope. Uh, interesting. We've got nope. two weeks to sort it out. Uh, Rob Clancy, another good media person, says, uh, telling you, Finey, Ryan Gardner is an inch taller than Cordy. Wow. He doesn't seem to play taller, is he? Yeah, well, that's what uh, Rob says, and Rob's, Rob's a Bulldog fan. Don't you feel that Cordy plays more on the tall, on the outright talls? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, no, I've always thought of Gardner as like a key defender. But, yeah, um, I just thought he's a bit shorter than... Is it less likely to take, say, a Max Gorn than Cordy? Um, yeah, I would have thought so, yeah. And they'll be you know, conscious of the danger of Max Gordon going forward. Yeah. Um, ben Healy talking about the Dees will play one game in 27 days due to the pre-grand final bye. Will it be an issue for them like the team's disadvantaged by the pre-finals bye? I think it has the capacity to be, and I think that's something to, to take into account. Um, the difference being, of course, that the Bulldogs will also be coming off a break, won't they? They won't have all their games played in a row leading up to that grand final uh, or the equivalent of the preliminary final. You know what I mean. 
Karen Korn says, Harry Stevens, read the Bulldogs round 23, two-point loss to Port at Docklands. They've cost themselves the premiership. That's one of the biggest chokes of all time. Who's oh, that? Uh, uh, Harry Stevens saying that. I wonder if he actually means, that, is there a Karen Corns? Is that Graham's wife or something? Or does he mean Kane Corns? Uh, saying they'd cost themselves the premiership, one of the biggest chokes of all time. Uh, his rejoinder, of course, is how's his port tearers apart going? Well, that's now that's interesting, Rowan. Yes. How do you feel about a, a, a club that sings their song, albeit their non-official song, before the game? Um, well, it, it's a different sort of. But can I? Does this give me an opportunity to say that I really was a big fan of In Excess? up until the album that song came off where they just lost me completely. And sorry, I don't want to know. I won't use intemperate language, but I hate that song. It sucks. You know, they could have gone with Just Keep Walking or they could have gone yeah, with... Dancing uh, on the Jetty. Yeah, Dancing on the Jetty, good off the swing. Or they could have gone with a song The Swing or Johnson's Airplane or um, what else? Uh uh, to look at you or uh, something like Shabu Shabba. Oh, don't change. Well, what yeah. Don't change. Uh, hang on. What's the one that I... It's Stay on Young. Stay Young. Yeah, Stay Young. I, yeah. love, I just love the feeling of that on the beach. And... Yep. Stay Young off their... Uh, yep. uh, what's the second album always called? Shabu Shabba? Yeah, no, no. Uh, underneath the Colours. Okay. Stay Young's off. Uh, but what's the, what's the term for it? Gone. The second album, the um, follow-up album. Yeah. So they had self-titled underneath the colours, uh, Shabu Shabar. Um, Do you know how the, I remember Shabu Shabar? Yeah. Hang on. Then the swing, and then um, uh, listen like thieves, and that's where about it ended for me with him. Uh, anyway, sorry. What were you saying? Well, I, I remember Shabu Shabar because I my my beloved pet was a whippet, a, ra a, race, a racing whippet, and Shabu Shabar was just a whippet on the cover being held in somebody's arms. Oh, they had a dog on the cover, did they? The album cover was a whippet. Yeah, okay. I think I even noticed that. But, uh, before, before every second person in Richmond owned a whippet. Uh, yeah, I always remember the film clip for The One Thing too, where they're having this sort of gluttonous feast at a table and there's a girl with black hair who's absolutely gorgeous. I, I used to love whatever their film clips were. Hutchins was always dancing in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Like on the beach, on a jetty, at the, at the, on the table. Yeah, that sort of loose-limbed, floppy yeah, yeah. hair sort of thing. Yeah. And the yep. slightly affected English accent. Um, Yoshi again says, by reading Martin Flanagan's book on the Bulldogs, uh, I realised Bevo is flexible to form the best sides even when some players are injured. I agree with you guys. He's a great coach. Shaki playing forward and back is a good example. Absolutely, Yoshi. Very good observation indeed. He, uh, ain't, Ross... playing back, he ain't playing back ever again, thanks to one Peter Wright. <laughs> that, that, was, that was like, you are not coming in our back line again. They dropped him for a week just to think about it. Yeah. All right, AJ Myers says, an interesting stat for tonight was the free kicks. Port had more, 22 to 16. This might be the first game for 2021. The Doggies had fewer free kicks. What are your theories on why the Bulldogs usually win more frees? Would it be that they are trained well in not giving away undisciplined free kicks? 
Uh, I have thought about this, and I can't. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, they're, they're a very good contested possession team, so that would indicate they get to the ball first. Okay. I, th- I think I, their clearance numbers are pretty good. Okay. This is a coincidence, Rowan. Okay. I'm not saying it's the reason why. When Luke Beveridge played for St Kilda, he was coming to the end of his career. He'd already played at the Bulldogs in Melbourne. And I said I had never, ever seen a footballer as adept at manipulating the umpire and winning free kicks. That was his absolute stock in trade. He was a brilliant winner of free kicks. And And I stand by How did he do that? Well, you know, he never would overemphasise. The last thing the player, you know, Stuart Lowe used to throw himself back and side bottom. Umpires hate that. He he just knew how to sort of wrap his head inside somebody under somebody's arm. Or do you know what I mean? He, yeah. he could put himself in a position. Now I'm not saying he coaches this at all, but it's just this is before he ever went to some beads to coach. This is before I ever knew he was going to coach. I really just knew him as a bit of a, a fringe footballer. Mm. But my impression of him as a footballer was, by God, he understands how to get a free kick. Not milk it, but actually put his body... The rules say you're not allowed to be taken high. He mm. knew how to put his head in, in somebody's arms or, or his back. You know, he just knew how to position his body perfectly. I think it's a coincidence. I don't think they're coached that way at all. But I must say that that's my memory of Luke the player. All right. No, that's an interesting theory. And that's a skill in itself. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to get onto this, but, you know, the the thing about staging for freeze has never worried me that much. I mean, I think if you, you know, Kevin Butt. It does does annoy me a bit. Yeah, well, it annoys a lot of people. That guy from Brisbane, when he used to do it. Matheson. The the barometer. Oh, the beast or the barometer or the. Could, Could I ask our producer to check something? Damo, could you go to AFL Tables, our beloved, put in Luke Beveridge, AFL Tables, and it'll give his freeze for and against at his time at St Kilda? All right. Okay, we'll wait. I'm interested to know whether I'm I'm backed up by my theory. Four years at St Kilda. He had 26 freeze four to three against. So there you go. It's holding up. And what about his other two clubs? That's not bad. Yeah, 26-3. That's pretty dramatic. The stats back him up. All right. Um, AJ Meyer, here's that random question. Has there ever been a coach in AFL, VFL history who was obese and led their team to a premiership? A mate and I have a theory that a coach who's overweight isn't as likely to get as much respect from his playing group as a coach who's <laughs> in good physical condition. Ken Hinkley's a little on the rotund side, is he not? Stuart Dew, on the other hand, is almost morbidly obese. In all seriousness, <laughs> would that guy have full respect from his playing group or maybe this one's a little far-fetched. Morbidly Because Hiddink was pretty fat. Man, morbidly obese is stacking it on a bit. Like, I know he's overweight, but... He's morbidly obese. He would be. Well, some people say he was morbidly obese when he was still playing league footy. Yeah. But um, wasn't Gus Hiddink pretty heavy? Yeah, but he's talking about AFL, VFL. No, I'm just saying the theory that a coach can't get respect. Yeah, but he's talking about AFL. Yeah, okay. Um all right, we'll think of some... There haven't been many overweight coaches because they most of them come from playing backgrounds and they tend to keep themselves fairly in shape. Um, well, let's it, think. Dennis Jones from Melbourne. 
I don't remember what Dennis Jones even yeah, looked he was like. Yeah, you know, he coached one season. I mean, Sheets porked up a bit towards the end. <laughs> Poor Sheets. But he was a man in his late 60s. Yeah, you know? fair enough. You're allowed to let yourself go at some stage, surely. Yeah, yeah, well, I agree. All right, um, if you want else? to... Okay, now we'll come back to it. People can send in their suggestions for overweight coaches and we'll see if it stands up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going back to the comments. Uh, Tim Dole says, what will next weekend mean for the AFL fan? Without any local leagues in Melbourne or the VFL, there'll be lots of gardens cleaned up and Bunnings Click and Collect will go off tap. That's uh, all. I've been cleaning my garden non-stop for the last eight weeks anyhow. That's my know, lockdown habit. Yeah, I had to go to uh, Officeworks the other day and I, I just I just had a brain fade and forgot you know, that it actually wasn't. So I roll up there and I see a queue and I think, oh, yeah, COVID people waiting to go in. And I parked myself on the back of the queue and someone sort of helpfully said, um, uh, are you, have you put in your order? I said, what are you talking about? I said, I was clicking collect. So then I had to go home, put in the order, be summoned and, and go and get it. It worked quite efficiently, I've got to say. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that at Bunnings a couple of times. You just drive through and wait. Can you click and collect a sausage? They haven't had sausages since COVID began. I was a joke for him. But no, I'm saying even when they're open, they don't do them anymore. Oh, since COVID started? Yeah. Do sausages carry an inherent COVID transmission risk? No, but the Boy Scouts that cook it do. <laughs> yeah. I should, <laughs> shouldn't be laughing. Um, North 96 is asking if we can have one minute silence for any middle-aged port supporters' face painters. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, yeah, AJ careful, careful making fun of port supporters. I oh, did that at the ground mm, once. Adult face painters, I think he's poking fun. Yeah, no, I, at, at a Port St Kilda game, the infamous worst umpired game of all time. That was the one that made Grant Thomas believe there was a conspiracy um, where he went and reviewed it with the umpiring board and there were 19 decisions that went the wrong way or something. Anyhow, that game myself and Scott Goodings and a couple of others were standing on the concourse behind a seemingly innocuous father and son who buried for port. And we were giving it to him. Don't worry about that. And, you know, and the father said to the son, I'll sort this out and walked away and came back with three bikies. <laughs> nice. We pissed um, off very quickly. Uh, Peter Phoebe, just on the thing about pre-game songs, Peter Phoebe points out that Collingwood had... Uh, Nothing Else Matters by Metallica for two weeks before it was dumped and never mentioned again. <laughs> well, I remember that. I was watching one of those games on TV on Fox and they had the song playing and they had crowd shots and there was Joffer and the other calling guys sitting there like this. I mean, Nothing Else Matters. It's hardly enter Sandman. It's a bit of a dirge, you know, so yeah. <laughs> go pick your song. Oh, Damon Tellers. Damon was in the media team and he had had to put together. Whose idea was it, Damon? Can you tell us? Oh, Bucks. Bucks wanted it. Okay, interesting. I remember Bucks actually, I remember in, uh, I think it was 2008 or nine when Bucks was not coaching and the Oils played at the, um, sort of the Black Saturday uh, Appeal concert, Midnight Oil played. And Bucks was texting me, talking about how excited he was going to see the... Uh, I just didn't need him McGuire, didn't I? Um, sort of celebrity text. But he was so excited to go and see Midnight Oil. 
It was uh, so he likes his music, but yeah, not nothing else matters. Mind you, it's better than the uh, week back in the early two thousands when Essendon were playing "Let's Get Loud" by Jennifer Lopez after every goal. I just thought if ever anything was going to stop me barracking for Essendon, it was that seriously. Richmond were playing something crazy for a couple of years. Um, yeah, last couple of years. My daughter knows. I could ask Harper. She yeah, read, it was. That- See if you can send her a text or something. But they had the jungle drum thing going. Yeah, no, there was some song or some sort of rapper song. Oh, it was like... a rapper, was it? Okay. I'll tell you what I did like. Um, uh, when they had the build-up to the grand final bounce down, actually, it, it, was, it wasn't Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. It was the song. What's the song that samples Cashmere by Led Zeppelin by some rap artist? Anyway, they played the start of yeah. that in the lead-up to the bounce down. That was pretty good. So there was an idea at St Kilda a couple of years ago. Have, have you? I can't remember who sings it. Like it's, it's. I, I don't know, but that song, Saints are coming. Oh, the that's you too. The Saints are coming. Yeah, then they realised exactly what would happen if they played it. Well, I oh, know. Don't. Don't do it. Well, they did. I'm saying it. They, they were going to play it, and then they realised <laughs> that 50,000 opposition fans would be standing there. You know what they'd be doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, work that out for yourself, everyone. Uh, Robert Rice says, given Sydney used to be known as the Bloods, I'd love to hear If You Want Blood by ACDC before the start of their games. What a great suggestion. My favourite Akadaka song, If You Want Don't Blood. Don't go down that track, Rowan. What, favourite Akadaka song? No, that nickname. The Bloods. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 all right. Wasn't that... That's an Essendon punk. Yeah, that was Essendon, though, not the Swans. No, well, because they were the Bloodstained Angels. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, well, you didn't have to bring it up. You're alluding to it merely... Well, it's, it's one of the heads. reasons why Essendon shouldn't be allowed to field a team in the competition. <sighs> okay, plus all those times we beat your team. And their emerged club, they're not a single entity. Okay. All right, okay. You know um, who you merged with? Yeah, yeah. Who? Um, uh, North Melbourne? No, Essendon Town. Oh, Essendon Town, yeah, yeah, okay. Why are Essendon Town famous? Um, I, I don't know. Seriously, because Dave McNamara played for them and kicked 100 goals, and it was the first time anybody in the VFA or VFL kicked 100 goals. The first ever century in Victorian football was for Essendon Town. Okay, good on good on Dave. Well, he went on to be a legend at St Kilda. I'm sorry, and I, then can't, you, I, you I, can't, I can't get angry about history in the uh, 19th century football history. It's just a bit too long out of the statute of limitations for me. Really? Yeah. Including the game you threw against Footscray? Yeah, I wasn't around for one. 1924? No, I know, I know about that one. Um, anyway, if you want to uh, watch the Footyology Football History podcast, um, finally we'll be doing special episodes of them right through summer. That's actually a really good idea. We should talk about that. I should. And, and, and you know, when Be- this is true. When Bev Holmesby, when I used to drive Bev to the footy through Ackland Street, you know that street that the um, you turn down it and there's like um, some restaurants and then there's the footy ground. It's it's down that it's got the Lunar Park on one side. It's a side street. Yeah, I don't know the name of it, but yeah. Yeah, he used to say that that's where you 
if you met a girl at the dancers, because there were dance halls, he goes, you're taken down that street for a knee trembler. A knee trembler, okay, that's good. <laughs> this, we're, past, we're past the witching hour here, haven't we? This is the point at which finally starts working blue. No, I'm not working um, blue. Oh, yeah, knee trembler. Well, okay. We've got some good uh, music uh, comments coming through here, so I want to read a few of these. AJ Myers says, why do these boys always choose Metallica songs from the Black Album and not from the era when they played good music in the 80s? Fair enough. I was never much into Metallica. I hate Metallica, except for Enter Sandman. Yeah, I've got the Black Album, but, uh, yeah, Enter Sandman, definitely the highlight. Uh, Oh, our producer's better half has just popped in to say hello. Hello, Ash. Oh, and the cat. Lovely. They've got a lovely cat. I wish you could see it. Good simple lyrics, Enter Sandman. Save it again. Enter Sandman's got really good simple lyrics. I like it. Well, there's an American college football team. Uh, I saw this video on Twitter last week that uses Enter Sandman as its entrance song for their team. And it's great. It's got a great builder. Excellent. Yes. Enter Night. Yes. Off to Never Neverland. Take what, my what, hand. We're off to yeah. Never Neverland. What, what, what team does that? Somebody that's better knock out their opponents. I don't know, but it's sort of the, the heaviest song ever written about someone having a nightmare, isn't it? Um, yeah, anyway. there's that silly bit where you, the kids you, the, the kids' voices in it. Oh, yeah, hush. Uh, yeah, as I yeah. lay myself to sleep. Yeah, hush. Yeah, that's silly, isn't it? Anyway. All right, let's get on with it. Um, uh, John Russell asking what the Bluebirds used to dance to. Jeez, I can't remember. In some crappy early 80s pop. Oh, the blue. Remember them? The first. Oh, the, the bluebirds. Blue. All right, let me keep going here. You can do yeah. a bluebird reminiscence in a minute. Hayden Murdoch, uh, what about Brisbane's audio guy playing John Denver's Country Roads last week? That was weird. That was really what really What was weird. that about? I don't know. I don't know. They're playing at that the That was really weird. Well, Queenslanders are weird. That was really weird. Yes, I know. I heard you. I just remembered that. Okay. What's that got to do with anything? Nothing. It was uh, the PA guy obviously had a John Denver fixation. Hey, speaking of which, no, it's not speaking about it at all, but Mark Hamill sent a congratulatory tweet to the Melbourne Football Club today. Luke Skywalker. Correct. You see, you'd know him as Luke Skywalker. I know him as... (laughs) I can't you know him from some soft porn flick he did in his college years or something? No. In, in season two of What We Do in the Shadows, which is a brilliant comedy series, he plays a vampire who, who Laszlo Cravensworth rented a room of and didn't pay the rent. And 100 years later, he's come for revenge. Okay, what's the name of the film? No, it's the TV series, What We Do in the Shadows. Okay, all right. So uh, Simon Fazio says, Puff Daddy featuring Jimmy Page from the Godzilla soundtrack. I think that's the song that samples Kashmir. Both the film and the song need to be nuked to hell. Uh, (laughs) Anyone who samples Led Zeppelin should be nuked to hell. I hate that sort of crap. Um, What was the song Eminem sample to? Um, Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. What's that Eminem song that goes and it's it's like the um it's like the start of a song by the cure 1015 on a Saturday night. Anyway, I'm just being stupid now. Um The Saints Are Coming was originally done by a Scottish punk band called The Skids. 
Yeah. The Saints also did various versions of I Win the Saints by Tex Perkins, Paul Dempsey, Lloyd Spiegel, amongst others. We've got a lot of music fans yeah. on this show. Um, AJ Myers telling you to listen to Ride the Lightning by Metallica and then rethink it all, Finey. Yeah, no, it's because I saw that self-indulgent documentary. Oh, that was a fantastic documentary. Oh, so self-indulgent. No, no, but it, but it was a fantastic documentary because it was supposed to be a you know, a hero thing, and it just, everything went to crap. Correct. Yeah, but that was, that made it good. But that was all about royalties and, you know, about about them being yeah. pissed off at not getting money for people downloading their songs for free. Yeah, that was Lars Ulrich led the charge yeah. on that, and yeah. South Park South Park did a great yeah. piss take of him. Uh, Virginia Tech College do the Enter Sandman intro, so thanks, Harry Stevens, for telling us that. AJ Meyer doesn't like him to see me because it's too popular. Yeah, um, I, I know that dynamic. Stephen Giles is saying, if you want to get me fired up, mention Bolt or the other uh, lightweight pale imitation of the opposite gender. Um, That's funny you mentioned her because today I was watching oh, the racing she, from... she done Fle- now? No, I was watching the racing from Flemington. Yeah. And there's a horse called Ripper Rita. And I hate <laughs> that horse. It went shit out, but yeah. um, I just I had this thing against that horse. Yeah, David, you've heard of Ripper Rita? David, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good horse. Was it a gelding? No, no, no. She's a good. It's a good filly of mare now, but oh, man. Uh, she went no good today. Oh yeah, gelding. A horse called Ripper Rita wouldn't really be a gelding, would it? Anyway, uh, let's not. You could be responsible for a few. Yeah, well, uh, meta- <laughs> meta- metaphorically was responsible for the gelding of uh, certain uh, male acquaintances. Um, all right, uh, Lose Yourself by Eminem is the name of that song I was talking about. Uh, Harry, again, says, go to a Brisbane game up there. Brisbane Lions play, like t- play TikTok videos and the goal kicker dancing to it on the screens after every goal. I actually spewed up seeing it live earlier this year. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a bit over the top. You know, uh, I, I hate sampling songs in other songs. I think it's really piss weak. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Hang on, I've just got two yeah. more comments and then we're up to speed. So Robert Rice says, the Bulldogs should have Dogs Are Talking by the Angels. Uh, good song. Certainly would be better than, remember when they used to do um, Who Let Who the, the Dogs Out? Are, yeah, terrible. The, what was that, the Baja Men? Yeah, they should have, they should have that song by Smokey Dawson. A four-legged friend, a four-legged friend, <laughs> he'll never let you down. Well, I could have uh, Black Dog by Led Zeppelin or yeah. uh, any other dog songs that come to many, mind. Many dog songs. Well, how much is how that doggy in the window? doggy in the, in the back line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the one with the loose... The one who's had four goals kicked on him. But <laughs> what, what else could they have with dog songs? Um, I don't know. I mean, not, not coming Geelong, Geelong, you know what Geelong should have always played, and I always said this. Uh, cool for Cats? Nah. That's a good song. Or UK Take down, 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 oh, down, down. Here he goes Your again. pussy town. All right, can, Damon, can you just start marking down every sexual illusion that Fanny makes? Yeah, uh, that's I three. Do, hey, it's I've told you this many times. It's like the inkblot joke on Get Smart. 
Oh, you're saying it's all in the inference. No, it's it's get smart. You know, they have this episode where they're trying to pretend that Max is insane. They're trying to frame him. And they send him to a psychiatrist and he shows him the Rorschach test, you know, all the ink blots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone, Max goes, that's a man making love to a woman. <laughs> and after about six ink blots, the psychiatrist goes, Mr. Smart, you're a sick, sick man. And he goes, hey, fella, you're the one with the dirty pictures. Now, <laughs> now that's exactly the same as having a go at me for singing Pussytown. Hey, that's I'm not the one who wrote the song. All right. It was, of course, Machine Gun Fallacia, which gives us sexual illusion number four. Uh, it that's couldn't also... be that bad because it was played at an NRL grand final. Okay, fair enough. No, it's also uh, Woody Allen pinched that scene too for the intro to um, uh, Take the Money and Run when they're capturing his childhood and he's sent to see a psychiatrist who shows him one of those pics and he says, that looks to me like an elephant making love to two men in a glee club. Um, now, Stephen <laughs> Giles says the swan song was Show em Sydney in 1987 over a three-week three patch, was played about 100 times when they kicked 30 goals three weeks in a row. I remember that because one of them was against Essendon, who they beat by 163 points, I think. And it was uh, Show em Sydney. Da, 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 da. And I just remember it finished off, Go mighty swans, Show em Sydney. And it was, yeah, like every, every 20 seconds. Do you remember Geelong trying to come up with a new song? Yeah, come on, the cats. Come on, the cats. And you know, <laughs> and you know what I used to do when they sung that? Uh, yeah. Okay, here comes number <laughs> five. Don't have to explain any further, Finey. You know who, who sung that song, by the way? I looked it up recently on YouTube. The Hawking Brothers? Barry Crocker. It was a Barry Crocker. It was. Do you uh, know St Kilda tried a different song for a while? Well, was that when they were called the Southern Saints? Yeah, around that time, it was a, it was a sort of a prefix to the actual song, and it went, "We're saints, we're proud, and we've got a lot of fight. We're on the rise, and we'll hit the heights. When we hit, we hit them hard, and we make them drop their guard. Cause we're loyal to our mates. Cause we're the saints." And then the normal song started. Well, it's longer than the Saints go marching. And that must have been a thing in the early 80s because Essendon did it in 1980. And I remember watching Essendon beat Fitzroy at Junction Oval, getting the tram home, and all the way there was this big bearded guy, adult, wearing a duffel coat with a big sort of ghetto blaster, playing this song repeatedly on a loop. Yeah. And it went, um, and where the boys from Essendon, we wear the red and black. We're famous for our courage. We will never turn our back with our teamwork and our talking. We'll beat them to the ball because we're called the Bombers, the greatest team of all. There you go. We're and called you, the Bombers. Do you, we'll go our merry way. We'll be there ball. in September in the Premiership. We'll play. Okay, that'll do. Go on. Do you know Geelong's original club song? Uh, no. Out we come, out we come. Oh, out they do. The yeah, play. They, you do have told us that. Yeah. yeah. And St Kilda's. And St Kilda's song? No. Oh, I do love to be beside the seaside. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's, it's actually a really sad song because, you know, they never won anything there because the song ends. Um, 
oh, we've got hopes of winning the flag. Yes, we've got it in the bag. You know, we've got hopes of winning the flag. <laughs> it's in the bag. And down by the seaside, by the sea. Now, Michael Decker has pointed out that Essendon song I just sang. I didn't yeah. see that uh, text from you, Michael, so thank you. Um, Tim Dole says the Saints song variation in the 80s was sung by Doug Parkinson. Yeah, AJ yeah. Meyer pointing out another Geelong song. Remember this one, Finey? Cat attack, cat attack, cat attack, Geelong, cat attack, cat attack. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like, it sounds like something you'd go to the, your vet about. All right, we've got, another, we've, got, we've got another one. We've got another yeah. one. Hayden Murdoch says that Mike Brady tried to sexy up the pie song by taking out the cakewalk lyric. It wasn't sexing it up, Hayden. He was ordered to by the club because they started to get embarrassed about premierships cakewalk. And you used to hear it. They played it on World of Sport Club Corner. And I always remember it. It was instead of, oh, the premierships are cakewalk, it was... There is just one team in favour, and that's good old Collingwood. I forgot to sing it in that Mike Brady sort of SPC baked beans and spaghetti for hungry little human beings. You know, I mean, he's, he's, I've done a lot of gigs with Mike, and, you know, he always does the thing. He's got his guitar there and he goes, well, actually, I made all my money just by singing two words. Do you know what those two words were? Uh Oh, no, hard yakka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hard yakka. Hard yakka. Um, so when we were youngsters and we bought our club songs on the, by the Able. Able Singers or whatever, yep. Yep. you know there used to be a song on the other side? Are we going to sing it together, Fine. Okay. You know, the problem is <laughs> I found out about that song. Can we sing it first? Yeah. Okay, three, two, one. Oh, when the football, football season comes, comes around, around again, again and, and the fans the are storming to the it in time. again. There's a kind of fever that keeps you on your toes. Hear the fans Everybody are roaring. And as the whistle blows, you know, the oh, it's boring song, as your team's behind. Still, you never throw in the towel because it's football season. And that's the reason it's the time of the year that we love. Okay, what's wrong with the song? You're singing. It's an English girl. song and it's about the soccer season. Oh, well, we adapted it. That's why they go when the whistle blows. Oh, yeah, no good. Well, the whistle, the umpire blows the whistle. All right, yeah, I think it's that... probably time we wrapped it up, isn't it? We've been going nearly an hour and a half and we've. Our viewers went up by 15, just perhaps and disturbingly. The, and the one other interesting thing, two other interesting things about songs. What are they? In the movie The Club, yes. when you know they play Hawthorne. Uh, I don't remember yeah. that specific scene, but yeah, because um, they try to get Hawthorne's coach for next season. Oh, uh, was that Rostov? Yeah. Oh, Rostov. We've got Rostov. Yeah. Hawthorne win. Yeah. Hawthorne beat them and they yeah. go in the rooms and then Hawthorne sing their club song. Do you know what they sing? No. Sons of the Hawks. Right? So it's Sons of the Scray, but they sing yeah. Sons of the Hawks. Yeah. But they sing the part of the song that the Footscray football club left out. And what's that? Because that actual song is called Sons of the Seas and it goes... Sons of the seas, bobbing up and down and up and down as we go. 
doesn't we really... come out fighting. They're supposed to bob up and down as oh, they go. Okay, okay. Nice. The hawks, the hawks actually bob up and bobbing up and down, up and down, up and down as we go. We come out <laughs> fighting, hawthorn through and through. What are they singing in that second line where the, the Bulldogs go red, white, and blue? Well, they go brown and gold. Yeah, whatever. Well, that's like, you know, Chi Chi, the red and the white. Do you know what that's supposed to be? Don't ask these rhetorical questions that you know I don't know the answers well, to. Well, Just well, tell me. Well, hang on. The Sydney song is the, what's the actual song? You know that. The Sydney song? Cheer, cheer, the red and the white. Well, what's the name of the song? Uh, no, I don't know. It's the chant of Notre Dame. It's the Notre Dame Oh, song. okay, yep, yep, okay. And their colours are orange and green. Yep, of course. So the original song goes, cheer, cheer, the orange and green. I don't know what comes next. but We're going to sing something that's obscene. Come on, the cat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is only going to go downhill from here. So. Well, the other interesting thing, and I don't know what it is, yep. you know that documentary on St Kilda winning the 66 flag? Oh, that the Panorama, BBC yeah. Panorama did, yeah. So they're in the rooms as the team comes off the ground, having won the premiership? Yeah. They, not, that, yeah. they don't sing I Win the Saints. They sing no. some other song. Yeah. What is it, though? Um, it's, a, it's some rugby song or some British, very English, very British. So when did I start singing uh, When the Saints? Oh, that was the club song, but, you know. But what, uh, what I remember most is uh, Daryl Baldock gets up and makes a speech and he says something that's really sort of quaint in the 60s, but I can't remember what it is. Do you remember what it is? Oh, I can't remember that they doused him and jeans in champagne. But something about, you know, you chaps all played yeah, yeah. spiffingly well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just want to thank you, chaps, for the best day of my life. <laughs> and, the, um, and the shots of Brian Sirikowski water skiing the day before yeah, he plays the in the grand before. final. And smoking a cigarette. And falling off, I think. And, and yeah, yeah. High-speed <laughs> high water skiing the day before the grand final. Uh, it's cigarettes. By the way, that is available on YouTube, I think, if anyone's interested. It is quite amazing because BBC Panorama, they're very professional. They send a crew out here to capture St Kilda's bid for its first flag and they're in the rooms after the game and it's all colour. It's amazing. Yeah, it is um, good. All right, we're going to go. Um, so, uh, I, you know what? We've been talking about music, so I've actually forgotten what game we're wrapping up, but it is Can the... Yeah. yeah, can you? Of course you can, Fanny. Whatever you want to do. I want to leave do, you with this one thought for Melbourne yeah. supporters. Because yeah. I've can it just be one? Melbourne supporters. Yep. Right? Yep. Melbourne have been so poor in our lifetime that I remember something vividly in the early 70s. I had a friend called, I mean, I haven't seen him for 30 years, 40 years. Paul Horowitz, who buried, you know, Ralph Horowitz, he's, he's yeah. cousin. He's cousin. Yeah, he blocked me on Twitter after I blocked him on Anyhow, Twitter. Anyhow, the whole family, <laughs> mad Melbourne supporters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Paul and I, as eight or nine-year-olds, went to the footy Olympics. Do you remember the footy Olympics? Um, yeah, yeah, at Olympic Park. Yeah, Channel Correct. 9 used to televise them, yeah. You know, like Kevin Neal carrying Paul Callery in the yeah. piggyback race. yeah. And we went there and Melbourne, they had a point scoring system and Melbourne won, right? Yeah. It was like in February or something or, yeah, or early yeah, March. Pro season, yeah. 
And Paul maintained that that meant that prior to the first game, Melbourne were on top of the ladder. (laughs) And every day at school, he would remind me that Melbourne were on top of the ladder. And that's all he had to hang his hat on, ever. What about if they won the World of Sport uh, touch ball pre-season competition? He felt that those footy Olympics were to deem what the ladder would be before the start of the season. Yeah, okay. And and I just used to think what a pathetic friggin' club to have to hang your hat on that. They were... were, um, Yeah, no, they're pretty big, the footy Olympics. And uh, someone, uh, Michael Decker, is telling you, Fine, it's time to go and watch the Hammers. Oh, no, don't tell me the score. He's not. No, he's not. Southampton, he's telling you that Southampton have a band like Footscray used to at the Western Oval. Because I hate Southampton. You know why? No, I'm sure there's a very good reason. There is a good reason. Everybody has always told me, Bruce Eva barracks for Southampton. Everybody barracks because they're the Saints. Yeah. And and I get to, oh, why don't you barrack for the Southampton? Because they're shit house. Okay. I love West Ham, so calm the Hammonds. Who the- scored the winning goal for Southampton in the 1976 FA Cup final against Manchester United? Not Mike Shannon. No, Bobby Stokes. Was he bald? No, he was a little guy, though. Uh, it was about six months before the end. I don't even know why I know that, but I do. I know, anyway. that, Mike, I know that Matthew Letizia scored the last ever goal at the Dell. I do? Okay. Yeah. All right, that's a good note, an appropriate note on which to finish this show about an AFL preliminary final, obviously. Shout out to you again, Wild Panda, and everyone needs to thank Wild Panda. He has made this show possible by being a very, very generous benefactor for footyology. He made this show brilliant. Uh, No, he made it possible. No one made it brilliant, but we somehow stumbled through. Now, it's been good fun. So thanks, your company. And listen, uh, very importantly, we will be back to do a grand final show too after the grand final in two weeks' time. What's happening in the meantime with Footyology? Haven't quite worked that out yet. There will be a podcast at some stage. Uh, There will certainly be one tomorrow to analyse in detail both preliminary finals. So look out for that. Should be up some stage tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Can we we finish on this note? You've said now, like, can we finish? Can I just say, can we do... Yeah, yeah, go on. Can I just sign off? No, because I'm going to say the Bulldogs had a brilliant win tonight based on an absolutely dominant midfield, and you are going to quote a famous three-word comment from the 1966 grand final. So here goes. The Bulldogs beat Port Adelaide tonight on the back of a brilliant and dominant midfield. I tip this. There it is. (laughs) Mike Williamson at his fires. All right. Thanks, your company, everyone. Look out for the podcast. And uh, we'll see you back for final siren after the grand final. Catch you later.